Hi, my name is Jenny Donnelly, and this is Shauna Danberg. And you have joined the Don't Mess With Our Kids podcast hosted by Her Voice Movement. There are women all over the United States and the world right now, from teenagers to grandmothers, and especially the mama bears, that are saying enough is enough because the attack on our children has gone way too far. I think you'd agree. Absolutely. Absolutely. So (laughs) there's a movement that started, a grassroots movement called Don't Mess With Our Kids, and that's what we're all about today. There's a couple ways that you can engage. You can share this podcast with everybody you know. You can also mark off your calendar for April 13th, 2024. We want you to meet up with people in your state, pray with them, receive communion together, repent, and listen to reformation strategies that can happen in your state to create change. From there, there is a moment in time that I believe is going to go down in history, and that is when we get to stand together and pray together. In Washington, D.C., we're inviting one million women and their families to come together in this moment in time. And so the purpose of this podcast is to bring awareness and educate us where we really are, also to pray together, and to give action to our prayers. We have incredible guests that are coming on here. I just am in awe of who God has brought into these interviews. And today I am so pleased to say that we have episode number two with Rabbi Jason Sobel. And so let's bring him on here. If you did not get to listen to the first episode, you have to go back and listen to that because it is absolutely incredible. I took so many notes. So did I. And I had goosebumps on goosebumps. And I I, I teared up a couple times. <laughs> too. It's fine. It was so good. We're so glad you're here, Rabbi Jason. Thank you for joining us today. Oh, thank you for having me back. I appreciate it. Excited yeah. about what y'all are doing. Awesome. Well, I want to point out right from the beginning, you have several different books. We gave your bio in the first episode, but you have many different books that have become um, bestsellers, which I can understand why after listening to you. And the latest book you have has caught my interest for sure. I want everybody on here to order this book and get a hold of this, eat this thing up. It's Signs and secrets of the Messiah. And my friend had told me, she said that she was reading a particular chapter about the nets. And so I know that we're going to ask you to bring some of that to the forefront today. Um, And they can order your book from fusionglobal.org, or maybe it's on Amazon as well. Anywhere Um, you buy books. (laughs) Okay, perfect. That's very convenient. That works good. So I want everybody to go and order this book. I think it's going to bring, it's going to unlock revelation. It's going to unlock spiritual food and it's going to ground us in this time where chaos, you know, is that's all around us. And yet God wants us to be grounded. He wants us to understand um, our Messiah in this time and be in intimacy with him. So can we just start right there? Can we start with this book? And what was that chapter my friend was referring to? Yeah, we talk about a number of signs. And towards the end of the book, we talk about the sign, the sign and secret of the net that does not break. And it's from John 21, when the disciples are fishing all night and they catch nothing. And I believe this is one of the most important miracles to understand in the time in which we're living, right? So first of all, the disciples are fishing all night and they catch nothing. There's something really important here. First, we have to understand the Hebrew word for fish is the word dog. And the word dog 
the Hebrew root can not just mean fish, but it can also mean fear, worry, or anxiety. The disciples caught nothing because they were fishing from a place of fear and anxiety. And when you live from that place, your nets are going to be left to you empty, whether it's relationally, emotionally, or spiritually. We can't fish from a place of fear. We have to fish from a place of faith. Wow. That's one of the lessons the disciples had to learn was not trusting, you know, I mean, you think about it for a moment. Peter had denied the Lord three times. He thought, surely God isn't going to use me. Uh, I blew it. I'm not going to be the rock anymore. I'm like the pebble. (laughs) You know, I messed up. But again, you know, Yeshua, Jesus comes and brings this great catch and then reaffirms his calling and his identity that God was going to use him. But there's something more here that I believe is really important. And the first time the disciples went fishing, or the first time Peter went fishing, and Yeshua, Jesus, encountered that in him and called him, he was fishing all night and he caught nothing. So the last event ties back to the first event mm. when Peter was called. But when he cast the net the first time, the nets actually began to break because of the catch. This time, they don't. See, I believe we're living in a John 21 moment where the greatest catch the world has ever seen is about to come. Wow. But God doesn't bring the catch until we have the container. Mm. If you don't have the container, there's nothing to hold the catch. Come on. And so in this season, God is wanting to help us create the nets that don't break for the great catch that's going to come. So that begs the question, how do we create these nets that don't break? Well, I think what we have to understand is that for the nets to be prepared, the nets have to be, number one, sizable enough. See, too many times in the past, people thought, man, God's going to use my net to bring revival, my ministry. There we go. Right. And so if you make it about your net or what, how God is going to use you, okay, your net will break. Come on. Revival breaks, movements break because someone is trying to control the thing that God is doing instead of steward the thing that God is doing. So good. We're just stewards and custodians. It, it doesn't belong to us. As soon as you try and try and own it or claim it or, Mm -hmm. you know, profit off of it in a way that's not of God, again, it begins to break. So what that means is the nets have to be sizable enough and the nets have to be strong enough. No one's net can be sizable enough and no one's net can be strong enough on its own. That's why in the season, what's so important is we have to join nets. There you go. The joining of the nets is the coming together of the kingdom relationships for this time and season that we're living in. Wow. And the nets are only as strong as the knots. (laughs) 
That's right. If the knots aren't strong, the net is going to break. And so God God wants us to be knotted and knitted together. And I believe part of that is Jew and Gentile coming together in Messiah. Yes. And I think part, and I think, and I think it's interesting because there's four women in the genealogy of Jesus. They're all Gentile women. Why? Because it takes Jew and Gentile to birth the line of the Messiah. And it's going to take Jew and Gentile to birth the kingdom of God in this great revival that we're on the verge and have the potential to see. But it's also going to take men and women together, working together to birth this revival, right? What we have to understand is that the Great Commission, you know, go into all the world and make disciples of nations, is really rooted in the first commandment to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. It's raising up spiritual sons and daughters, as well as biological sons and daughters. Well, it takes man and woman to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. If you just have men or, or, or without women, you can never fulfill the great fruitfulness and the great commission of what God is calling us into this time and season. And for too, too, for too long, the church has been a single parent family. Wow. That's true. On two levels. On one level, you know, women have been sidelined in much of church history to playing a key central role and having their voices heard and being empowered just in general. So again, if we don't if we don't give women their the rightful place, then again, we're never going to be fruitful and to be and, and multiply. We're never going to see God do what he fully wants to do. But I think there's I think there's something else there as well, which is the disciples are fishing all night. And you should, we talk about this in Signs and Secrets of the Messiah. Look, God is in the details. If there's a detail in the Bible, it's there for a reason. So there's a little detail where it says, Jesus says to the disciples, cast your nets again on the right side of the boat. This implies that they were fishing from the left. Listen, when you fish from the left, your nets are always going to be left empty. And we're not making a political statement here, but a spiritual one, which is that the left side in Jewish thought is the place of fire. It's a place of judgment. It's the place of severity. Wow. When you fish from a place of severity and judgment and hellfire and brimstone, your nets are going to be left empty, whether that's on a personal level, a spiritual level, a ministry level. Wow. Okay. The right side from a Jewish and biblical perspective, like we talk about in the book, is the side of God's hesed, his loving kindness. It's the side of God's word. It's the side of unity. When you fish from a place of love and kindness, rooted in the word of God, in relationship, that's when you see the nets that are strong that can contain the catch. Wow. And what's interesting, I'm sorry, God. No, 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 go ahead. I'm going to ask you a question here. No, 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 no
you know, when we talk about don't mess with our kids and we're going to be going to the capitals, we're going to be going to Washington, DC. Some people, the only framework they have is to remember when women stood unrighteously in anger, you know, they stood in judgment right. in these movements where women have not been honoring of men. Right. In fact, they've wanted to say, we don't need men, which is just doesn't even make any sense. Right. But some women, because we've seen these movements that have been casting the net on the left side, right, are saying, I don't know. I, I mean, I'll fast and I'll pray, but I don't know if I can show up. I don't know if I can be in a public place because what is this going to look like? And, and they're, they're um, afraid that it's going to look like we've seen it. But I think you just described it. Yep. We're going to cast our nets on the right side of the boat where there is unity. And I couldn't write fast enough, but it was unity, love, and kindness. Because for us to take a stand and for us to use our pay, use our mouth, like you talked about in the first episode, is that we have to determine in our hearts to do it with love and kindness. The other thing I want to point out is about five days ago, I woke up with a phrase in my heart and I knew it was from the Lord because I wasn't fully awake yet. And the phrase was the strength of the organization is determined by the strength of its interactions. I've never heard that phrase before and I've never said it before. And so I just have been meditating on this for about five days or so is these knots the, the actual interactions between tribes, between streams, between people, yeah. individuals, and how can we strengthen these interactions between each other so that our nets don't break, so that in this coming time, we can be strong. And I think that, you know, if, if we determine to be unified, to tell each other the truth, you know, not to lie to each other, just to save our reputation or whatever, and to have love and kindness. I'm just kind of summarizing just some incredible truth that you are speaking here that really relates to what I think God wants to do this on the earth. I yeah. think God wants us to stand in the public place in this, in, in, in the nets being outside the right side of the boat. So any thoughts on that? Or you can just yeah, keep going. Yeah, That's yeah, just absolutely. a summary of how this I plays mean, out. What's interesting is that if the left side represents fire, the right side represents water, which is in Hebrew, Mayim. And the Hebrew letter that represents the water is the letter Mem. So the word water in Hebrew begins with the letter Mem and ends with the letter Mem. And the letter Mem is the letter that literally means water. What's interesting is that the, the, the Mem is the 13th letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and it's connected to the right side. Why is that important? As we shared last time, Hebrews alphanumeric, you write numbers, you write numbers with letters. So that means every word has a numerical value. And numerical values between words often means that there's a connection. So 13 is the numerical value of love in Hebrew, ahava. Talk about this again in the book, Signs and Secrets of the Messiah. Why is that important? 13 is a number of love. Well, what is the love chapter in the Bible? First Corinthians chapter 13 and has 13 verses. It's literally uh, love in numbers, right? In first Corinthians 13, right? But then also the word echad, to be one, has the numerical value of 13. Wow. So God is one, but also 
the man and woman are to be besar echad, one flesh. And so the right side in the nets that don't break represents being united as one in love. Wow. And that is the part of the key to uh, strengthening those, those nets. And what's interesting as well is that there are two great loves, the love commandments, love the Lord your God, which is 13, and love your neighbor as yourself, which is a second love. So if you have love, love twice, one relating to God and one relating to your neighbor, 13 times two is 26. Why is that important? Because the holy divine name, God's most holy name, yod heh vav -Heh in Hebrew, which Christians usually pronounce as Yahweh, Jehovah, but we don't really know how to pronounce it. But the, the four-letter divine name, which is the holiest name of God, has a numerical value of, guess what, 26. Because the revelation of God is most fully expressed in loving him and loving your neighbor. Wow. And that is that, that unity of, of men and women coming together, of Jew and Gentile coming together in Messiah. And I think this is something the world needs to see. What does love look like? What does unity look like? It doesn't mean uniformity. It honors the differences and respects the differences and values the differences and finds the beauty in the differences and this is the type of the this is the type of love revelation the world needs and i think that's the thing the greatest you know god spoke to me and said to me the greatest revival the world has ever seen that is coming and it's not rooted in fear but it's rooted in love mm -hmm. and 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 the demonstration of that is unity because there's so much division in the world today God wants to bring unity. And, you know, we've, we've seen the power of this of, you know, we did an event a number of years ago with our mutual friend, Lou Engel, at the call Detroit. And I, Lou called me up on the phone and he said, because they were doing it at Ford Field and he found out Ford is the father of uh, anti-Semitism in the United States in many ways. He called me on the phone and says, Jason, how do you break the spirit of anti-Semitism? And I said, Lou, it's a story of Ruth and Boaz coming together. You know, Ruth, the woman, Boaz, the man, Ruth, the Gentile, Boaz, the Jew. And when they come together, Ruth goes from being destitute to getting the whole field. Boaz goes from having no future, no legacy, no descendants, you know, to ultimately helping to birth the line of hated the Jewish people. I hated America. Jesus appeared to me. I came to faith and now I love this country. I love the Jewish people. He gets down on one knee and there's this reconciliation between Jew and Gentile coming together and Messiah and the spirit of God fell in that place in a powerful way. And just some incredible other things happened. So I think 
this is what happens. There's a, there's a blessing on unity that God is wanting to bring together in this time and season for this great catch. They bring in 153 fish. There's a lot there with 153. That Why 153 fish? One of the things is that 153 fish is the numerical value of Ani Elohim, I am God. It's a numerical value of, we talk about in the book, of Ani Adonai Elohecha, I am the Lord your God. It's a numerical value of King of Glory. And so when we're unified and we see the catch come, he reveals himself as God, as the Lord, our Redeemer, as the King of Glory. 153 is also the numerical value of the sons of God, the children of God. And so it's, you know, goes to our identity. And I believe this is really important. And I believe in, in particular to what, what we're talking about with you all and what you're doing with mobilizing women for this great event is this uniting of, of, of men and women. And I think part of that is men need to, in this season, and part of our one aspect of our role in helping to create these nets is we have to honor and empower women and we talked about last time how women played a central role in the coming out of Egypt. And what's interesting is that in the Torah, in the five books of Moses, in Jewish thought, the water in the wilderness, the Mayim, we were talking about water a moment ago, water comes because of Miriam, right? When you think about the women and their role with water in the coming out of Egypt, right? It was the Pharaoh who wanted to throw the babies in the water. It was the women who saved the babies from the water. It's Miriam who watches her brother go down the Nile in the water. It's Pharaoh's daughter who pulls Moses out of the water. It's Miriam singing as the water parts in the Red Sea. And so women are connected to water a number of places in the Bible. Women at the well in the New Testament. We, we keep going down that road, but the point is women and water go together. And so the water in the wilderness came in part because of the righteous women and Miriam. And then it's, she dies. In the very next verse, it says that the water stopped flowing and the people cried out because there was no water. So there's this connection between wow. the death of Miriam and the people not having water from the rock in the wilderness. And what's the connection? The connection in Jewish thought is that they mourned for the death of Aaron 30 days and they didn't mourn for Miriam. Oh, wow. They did not honor her and they did not honor her memory. And so God withheld the water until they did. Wow. And I think there's a blessing that is withheld spiritually there's a blessing that is held even materially on our family, on our nations, on our faith communities when we don't honor women. And there's not always been a good job at honoring the women in our midst. And that's something we need to do to strengthen the nets, to strengthen the knots wow. in our interactions for what God wants to do in this season. Yeah. Wow, that's so powerful. And I, I appreciate you saying that. I mean, that just, there's a lot of healing that happens. Um, I'm, for, I'm sure for so many people listening and myself, I'm, I'm feeling just so honored just by you 
speaking about this, I see these nets in these state capitals Mm -hmm. and I see these nets in Washington, DC and somehow, some way we know this is connected to a great catch. And so the capital, Washington, DC, these are really the beginning of something. These aren't just, we're going to stand there in one day, you know, kind of go back to the way we were living before. So what I'm thinking about here is that the great catch that's coming. And I think you've already said it, but I kind of want you to reiterate it. What is everybody's sole responsibility right now? They come to D.C. or they come to their state capital. How can they right now decide to walk in love, in oneness, in unity? Like what's it going to take? What kind of inner work is it going to take? Or what, what kind of action steps can you have for that person that we need them? We need them to be a strong in, you know, it's not, again, we can't just leave it up to a, our, our pastor, like, okay, be, be that strong net. No, it's, it's individually, all of us individually um, being strong within ourselves, And maybe, maybe even this relates to Esther actually, but what do you have to say about that? Yeah. The thing is to understand is that every person brings a piece to the net every congregation every ministry every movement but every person is a piece of the net and so we need to we need to understand what is our piece of that net that we are called to bring okay and I think that's an important thing. Of course, there's my role in my family. There's your role in your family. There's your role with with in, in speaking into the life of your children. But there's the role of speaking into the lives of, the, of your neighbors, uh, into your faith community, into the people that God has uh, brought around you. There's gifts and talents and a voice that God has given you and whatever, again, this is the year of the open door to have the courage to open your mouth, to open the door, to take the step through and to play your role. And there's so many different ways that you can play that role. You can be an advocate. You can be an ambassador. You could use everyone as a leader in the sense that everyone is people. They have influence in, 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 in their lives. Right. The other interesting thing is that, again, we're, we talked last time we're, we're how we're in the year 5784, the year of 84 on the Hebrew calendar. What's interesting is that the number 84 only occurs one time in the Bible. Wow. And it says Anna was 84 years old. When the baby Yeshua, Jesus, was placed in her arms, she had been fasting and praying for all those years, but it was in her 84th year that she saw the promise being fulfilled of those years of fasting and praying. This is connected to Psalm 84. Read it when you get a chance, all about dwelling in the house of God. But what's also interesting is that 84 is uh, the Hebrew word palel, pray, 
is used 84 times in the Bible. Wow. And by the way, the pray begins with the letter pay, which is the letter of the mouth, the decade that we're in. <laughs> so I guess what I'm saying is that one way you can be a piece of the net and what, what y'all are doing is prayer and intercession like the like Anna did to help see the promise come to pass. That's that is a crucial piece of it. Come on. That's so beautiful. use your voice fast, pray, praise, speak, whatever God's called you to do. But that that's another important piece of being an Esther in this time of season. She fasted and prayed just like Anna did to see God move and to see the doors open, to see the promise uh, come to pass. Wow. When you talked about Rabbi Jason, you talked about the strong knots. It made me, and I don't know if this is what they represent, but I was thinking the knots as people, the people being strong. And I, and then you started to talk about the left side and the right side. You talked about the left side being the judgment and the things that we don't want to be. And it made me think about the trumpet. Yeah. I was like, oh, because as the Holy Spirit told us to go to Washington, D.C., he told Jenny, she's like, what, for what? purpose and what are we doing? And he said to tune the trumpets that that's what we were supposed to do right now. So I feel like that's important sure. for you to share that and what that, what that actually means, because I think our audience needs to hear that. Yeah. So the Lord had us go around to several different cities leading up to Washington, DC. So we have three more cities at the time of this recording. We'll be in Houston, then LA, then Naples, Florida, and going around and um, ministering freedom to women. And I said, okay, what are we doing? You know, there's time, there's money, there's all sorts of inconvenient stuff that comes with all this, right? I said, God, what, just give me the great purpose behind this. As much as I love women free, I felt like I needed a, a higher um, purpose in it. And he said, uh, you are, you guys are tuning the trumpets. And I said, okay, I'm not sure what that means. And one of the guys on our team said, hey, I played the trumpet. And he said, to tune a trumpet, you have to have the valves aligned. And immediately I thought of how Jesus was aligned with the father. He said, I say only what my father says. I do what my father does. This alignment, right? And how the tuning of the trumpets would happen. The voice, the pay, the voice of the women coming out um, because of the alignment. Like our voice is his voice. Ultimately, that's the best experience, right? And then um, this guy on our team said, you know, you have to first blow out the um, saliva out of the trumpet too. And I was thinking about how that's that cleansing, right? By the blood of Jesus, he cleanses us from all of our wounds. He's close to the brokenhearted and he, he binds up our wounds. And then he said this, if it's not in tune, then the trumpet's going to go flat, right? We could think of maybe somebody trying to speak and they have no anointing. It's just no one's listening. It's just flat because it's not aligned, right? It's not aligned with God. And then the other alternative is maybe, well, it's pretty bad either way, but it's when the trumpet goes sharp. So that is that prickly pokey type of message, right? That would be maybe casting the nets on the left side. And so as we create oneness in prayer with God, it's pretty tough to spend time with God in, in, in the truest sense and come out the other side worse. <laughs> you know, there's something about that recalibration where the spirit of God and our spirit, you know, that oneness that happens. Yeah. And, um, for anybody here listening, that's struggling with, you know, like, man, I'm yelling at my kids, I'm doing this stuff. And how can I ever be used by God? You know, spend time with the Lord, go for a five minute walk, breathe, meditate on his word, 
Look at his word. Look at, you know, you said Psalm 84, read that, pray that over your life, pray that over your family and your children. And that trumpet, your mouth, your pay will begin to be tuned, right? Mm -hmm. To Mm -hmm. God. Because when we go stand publicly, I want to sound like Jesus. I want us to sound like a symphony, a choir of women and their families that sound like heaven, right? Not sound like judgment. And so this has been super profound today. If you have any last minute words for any of this, or even any comments about Esther, we'd love for you to share that and then pray for us because this has been really, really powerful today. Yeah. Maybe I'll come back on some other time. I want you to, I was just going to ask, but, 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 but there's one other thing that I think I want to just encourage is that 5784, the four, the four represents expansion and multiplication. Wow. And we talk about in Signs and Secrets of the Messiah, our new book, how the fourth miracle Yeshua does is the multiplication of the bread and fish. So literally, literally his fourth miracle, and we're in the year of the four, is about, you know, multiplication and about expansion. And what's interesting about that is that he uses bread, but he also uses fish. And the word for fish, as we said in Hebrew, begins with the letter dog. It begins with the letter Dalit, the year that we're in on the Hebrew calendar. And in ancient, ancient Hebrew was pictorial. The letters were written in shapes of things. And so the letter Dalit actually was in ancient times written initially probably in the shape of a fish, later in the shape of a door, but initially as a shape shape of a fish, right? Because in the Bible, the letter Dalit connected to the letter fish, fish represents multiplication. The first thing God blessed and multiplied were the fish, okay, at creation, and actually in Hebrew, the word multiply or expand is actually from the root word fish. So there's all these interesting connections. But a couple of things that I think are important. Number one is that five loaves, two fish, the miracle. God can do a lot with your little. You don't have to have a lot for God to use you to do something significant and something really meaningful. If you give him your little in faith, God will do a lot with it. And so don't worry about, man, God's called you to do something big and you don't feel like you have the resources, the abilities. That's the point. You don't. (laughs) That's where you need God to step in. If you you could do it on your own, you didn't need him. Okay. You don't need Jesus. Right. So. But again, with that, it's five loaves and two fish, totaling the number seven. Why is that important? Seven is the number of trust, okay? Seven is the number of faith. Think about it for a moment. On the sixth day, they had to collect a double portion of mana and to trust God that the that the that the mana would not go bad on the seventh day like it did all the other days. You have the sabbatical year. You know, six years you'll work the land, but the seventh year you're to let it rest. You're to let it lie fallow. We talked about in the book. Think how much, in an agricultural agrarian society, how much faith it took not to 
work your fields, but to trust God that there actually would be provision in the year after you didn't sow it. So seven is about trust. It's about resting in that trust and resting in that faith that God is going to show up and do something. There were seven Canaanite tribes, and those included giants in the land. They were to march around the city of Jericho, the first city to take in the land, seven days. And on the seventh day, seven times, it was about trusting God to that he would be the one to cause the walls to fall and to bring the victory. Trust in his provision. Trust in his uh, that God is going to give you the victory. Seven, the number of completion. So if you completely give what you have to God and you have that faith and you have that trust, even when it seems impossible, who could think you marched around walls, blow the shofar, blow the trumpet, and the walls were going to fall? That's crazy. It doesn't make any sense. But but it goes back to the five loaves and the two fish, the number seven. Wow. It's about trusting him to do a lot with our little and to bring the breakthrough and to bring the blessing, even when it seems impossible, he is the one who's able to do it. Amen. That There's so much ministering to me right now. I can't wait to go back and listen to this again. This is incredible. Would you pray for us? Any of this that you want to pray about or whatever's in your spirit would be wonderful. Yeah, I just want to thank you for, for all the amazing women that are listening. And I want to pray that they would feel the honor that you have for them. I want to ask that this would be a time in which I pray, especially for those that are struggling with fear, fear to open their mouths, fear to take a stand for what they know to be right and to be true. I want to pray that you would remove that fear and that there would be, they that they could break that spirit of fear, and there'd be a movement from fear to faith and from faith to trust. I'm asking Abba, I'm asking as well that for those that feel alone, bring the other pieces of the nets, bring the relationships that they feel that nodding, that they feel that connection, that that each and every one of you would feel that you are a part of something bigger, that you would know there is power and authority in your voice. And the letter Dalit is the first letter of the Hebrew word for bear in Hebrew, dove. And I just say it's time for the mama bears to come forward. It's time for the mama bears to stand up for the cubs. And I just pray for the strength of the bear and the courage to be released over everyone that is watching. And I just pray in this season that you would see the multiplication, that you would see the blessing, and God would fill your nets in the name of Yeshua, Jesus our Messiah. Sim shalom It should establish over his peace, mercy, goodness, and kindness in the name of Yeshua, Jesus our Messiah. Amen. Amen. Wow. This has been beyond enriching. <laughs> I can't even find the right words to describe this. I know that the listeners right now are probably pushing share and send 
to people because this is it's been incredible. I thank you so much. Today we've been with Rabbi Jason Sobel, and I want everybody truly to order his book, Signs and Secrets of the Messiah. This is what he was teaching out of today, and it really is a book for such a time as this. Thank you for authoring this book. Thank you for ever, all the work that you've done, all the books that you have, but more than anything, being a Mordecai and really encouraging us as women. We really need it in this hour because it's it's the last stand and we have to pray fast and stand in this time. So thank you so much for being with us. I really, really appreciate you and God bless you. And God bless you. We're going to have you back. <laughs> Look we're going to have you back for sure. Okay, everybody, let me give you some next steps. You have been a part of the Don't Mess With Our Kids podcast, but this is also a grassroots movement. We want you to engage with this movement, and you heard it today. We're going to be standing in all 50 state capitals on April 13th, 2024, and then we will springboard into the fall where we're inviting 1 million women and their families to pray fast and stand with us in Washington, D.C. That's the fall of 2024. We'll get dates to you as soon as possible. We're also super pumped because we're going to be gathering thousands of women and we are launching what's called an Esther immersion. We're going to pray together. We're going to be actually putting into practice the things that we've heard from Rabbi Jason today yeah. about the pay, using our mouth in yeah. prayer, because I am greatly concerned that women don't know how to pray. They, they Not that they don't want to, they just aren't sure how to. They're not sure how to use their voice and how to use their mouth for strength. Listen, we can't do the silent thing anymore. We cannot stay silent. Please listen for more updates and the show notes will tell you how to do this. You will be able to get involved in the Esther immersion. It'll be a year out into the elections and I believe it matters greatly. So invite your friends to be a part of that as well. Last but definitely not least, you can be a part of a live Zoom that we do every single Monday. We do Q&A at the end, but we share the vision towards this great historical moment to Washington, D.C. And you are welcome to come in live. There's also a replay you can see right there on your screen. It's don'tmesswithourkids.us slash live. So go ahead and catch that link, watch the replay, or join us for the live, which is amazing, Monday mornings at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. And that's all we have time for today. Thank you so much for being here, and we'll see you next time.